I've been in ministry for a few years now, and I've often, I've often met people who told me, fear, yeah, it's usually that they're on fire. I'm saying that very loosely. So, yeah, I'm so on fire for Jesus. I'm like, oh, that's not awesome, dude. So, where are you serving? No, 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 just, just, just me and Jesus. I'm like, that's weird. And, and the reason why I said that's weird is because it's completely unbiblical. Before sin entered in, God creates Adam alone. He gives him a work to do, to work in the paradise. And God looks at Adam that walks with him daily and says, it's not good for man to be alone. And He gives him a helper. And that's exactly the same for us. There is no, it's me and Jesus, it's not enough. See, what Christ accomplished on the cross was not just that He restored us to God, He restored us to one another. And the only way we will show a broken world what is going to unify us, what is going to be greater for us as human beings, is as we get together as a community of faith, saying what holds us together is Jesus instead of a world cup. Because guess what? Four years past, maybe we lose it. Now Will the nation be more divided if we lost last night? Guys, don't put weight on things to give you joy that can't carry that weight. The only thing that can ever give you joy is the presence of God and being obedient to His Word. It's a natural thing. It's a natural thing for us to gather, but there's a way that we should gather, and we're going to go into that now. Paul talked with them, intending to depart the next day and prolong his speech until midnight. I don't know how many of you here know Paul. I was sitting in that meeting. I love Paul enough, I would sit in that meeting. That guy, I, I, would, I would pay to see that guy. <laughs> that guy was just a different cat, man. You find this, this guy finding himself in the right place and sees one of the best preachers, maybe not best preachers, best teachers, great man of God. He still falls asleep. So Paul prolongs his speech until midnight. I want to point this out. And there were many lamps in the upper room where we, uh, where we were gathered. Maybe it was the interior decorated, they got that one. They made sure there was enough lighting. But I remember reading this and I was part of another ministry. I don't want to bash the ministry or whatever the case may be. But I remember we had an eldership meeting and we were talking about how important it is to create an atmosphere of worship that invites the presence of God. And how we're going to spend 400,000 rand on the best equipment, smoke machines and lighting to create that atmosphere. And I remember standing there thinking, that's weird. That's weird. And when I was preparing this message, I just realized that we need to be, we need to be as a people, understand that reality is environment does play a role in our lives. If I tell you now that you are going to McDonald's, you'll be dressed the way you act, the way what you're going to expect, it's going to be different versus five-star restaurant. It's going to be a different expectation. It's going to be a different way that you conduct yourself, how you get dressed, all that sort of stuff. But I wish that the presence of God was so easy to buy. Because that's what we were trying to do as an eldership team. What we said is if we can get this smoke machine, if we can get this lighting, we can get the presence of God. It's, the presence of God is not that cheap. See, the presence of God is no longer linked to a building or a temple. It's, built, it's linked to a people. And it's a people that are willing to go low. It's a people that are willing to gather. It's a people that says, 
Lord, I will seek you with everything inside of me. See, the scripture reads that uh, Morgan was, was looking towards it. It says, the two will gather in my name. In my name. It's easy enough to gather, guys. But it's not enough. It needs to be in His name. That's another reason why we can't miss the gathering of the saints. Is when you're not there, there's a representation of Jesus that's not in the room. We need each other. God loves us enough. And the reason why I want to handle this point is if you understand the call that's upon your life, if you understand what God wants to do in you and through you, what you would understand is your desperate need of every person that's in this room. Not just the guy that's standing in front of you. To give you just a short testimony, uh, yesterday we did the evangelist or the outreach thing. I suck at it. What is easy for me is let's drink coffee and I can sit and talk about Jesus for hours. It gets me good going back. I love it. It's what's natural for me. It's natural for me to, to reach out to people, people that want to leave, sit down with them, meet with them, try and coach them, try and, you know, just encourage them, try and be something for them at least. That's, that's what's easy for me. What is scary for me is to walk on the street, go up to a random guy and say, Hey, do you know Jesus? <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not easy. So I just follow Marvin. That's what I've learned. <laughs> he does it so easily and so seamlessly. I mean, he even becomes confrontational. He took on a few Muslims yesterday. I'm like, oh, Jesus, be with this guy. I was like, while he's preaching, I'm like in two prayers. I'm like, Lord, help him with his words. And also equip me with strength if this thing goes south. <laughs> it's not easy. So one thing I learned when I was driving home, I didn't do a lot yesterday, to be very honest. I was driving, I was asking God, like, God, what, what was the purpose? Did I really have to be there when, when Marvin was obviously doing all the heavy lifting? What's, was I maybe just there for defense or whatever that has to be? I just heard the Lord speak to me and said, Son, I need you to start becoming comfortable with what is uncomfortable. Because otherwise you'll miss your calling. If you are only going to go as far as it is comfortable for you, Son, you'll miss your calling. So I need you to stretch yourself. I need you to open up opportunities where you learn to grow in discomfort. Because it is in discomfort where my power is made known. It is when you are not strong, when you are weak, and you're standing there, and the only thing that you can do is, God, I need your help. He's like, that's where I show up. And he creates these opportunities. He asks us, come along. And some of those opportunities are scary. But it's beautiful. I remember the first guy Morgan spoke to. I, mean, I don't even think, he basically greeted the guy, and he started crying. And I was like, Jesus, that's worth it. That's the only thing that happened today. We can encourage this guy. But obviously he was just carrying the mountain of the world on his shoulders. He is so overwhelmed with life. And Marvin just goes up to him and says, Hey, I'm Marvin. You just see the tears welling up. And the guy doesn't even know how to stand. I'm like, Marvin, it's minister to him. Just speak up to him. But Jesus, that's beautiful. That's what I want to be a part of. I remember even the video that we made um, last week. That's our intro video. We're sharing all these photos. I remember looking through these photos and I was honest with you guys about a month ago I got this great opportunity for work where they would have paid me a lot of money. And, and I remember that when they gave me the opportunity I knew, so one of the things is they said I had to move out of the West Coast. I knew it couldn't be Jesus. Although the door was open, it's not Jesus. Be careful for that strategy of the enemy that says if the door's open, it must be Jesus. 
There's a lot of doors that open in your life where it's not Jesus, it's the temptation of the enemy. The question as Christians we ask is not, is it sin or is it not sin? The question we ask is, does it give you more of Jesus? So moving to Johannesburg, moving out of this church, does it give you more of Jesus? No. So guess what's my answer? No. I remember getting that. I've never realized how, how much of my flesh is still alive when they gave me that offer. And I was kind of, I was kind of toying with it because I knew the answer was no. I wanted to hear exactly what the package will be. How much Does it include a new car? We must not stay. Started to look up cheap accommodation in Pretoria. Very cheap. And I had to say no. And I remember it was hard. And I remember like I went to tell him, I'm like, Tony, I don't understand why this is hard. I know the answer is no. I already said no. My, my CEO's response was the best response you can get from a, the managing director of your company. He said, do you understand that your church is costing you your future? I said, yes, well, Jesus paid my price, so my life's no longer mine. And I remember at that moment, when I was sitting there, putting those videos together, and just looking at all the photos, I'm like, Jesus, there's no amount of money that can buy that. Amen. There's no amount of money being at people's baptisms, visiting people's birthdays, being at the picnic together as a family, seeing how people grow in the Lord. There's no amount of money that can give that to me. And I was, thank you, Lord, that I said no. And thank you, Lord, for revealing that my flesh is something that I need to put to death today. Oh, shit. <laughs> No. <laughs> Send it to the minutes. So he's like 35 to 30. Like, I'm, like, I'm in the intro, sorry. <laughs> okay, let's move. So they were in love with them. So what I want to say is, guys, as a people of church, most people, I wish everybody would feel lost. We've had such an amazing service in the presence of God where we just worshipped and felt the presence of God. And it wasn't because the building became more holy. It wasn't like a planned thing. It was just our hearts saying, Lord, we're under your presence. And may we come into that expectation every week. May not be stretched so far. Can we come in weekly? God, I want your presence more than anything else. Because it's in His presence where there's peace. It's in His presence where I get strength to say no to the things of this world. So, as linked up with us, I'm on the time, literally. <laughs> there were a lot of labs in the upper room where they were gathered. And a young man, the Utica, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep. We all talk still longer. So, for me, the window seat represents two things. First of all, you need to understand what the window seat was in this story. So what we know about this environment that they find themselves in, There's a lot of hands, and there's a lot of people. So what that means is, there's a lot of heat. Eutychus is a smart guy, and positions himself close to the window. So I did a lot of flying in the last three days. One thing people fight over is called the window seat. Because at least they have a perspective. They can see what's going on in the outside. It's a form of entertainment for them. And when I was preparing this message, I was just so reminded that as Christians, we need to be careful that we do not take window seats when it comes to the things of God. And what I mean is you're positioned in the house of God, but your eyes are looking outside. And guys, let me just be honest, there's a theological game you can play with this, it's called the prosperity gospel, where your eyes are on the things of this world, and Jesus just becomes the tool that gives you what you really want. 
That's not the gospel. Jesus is not supposed to be applied. He's supposed to be worshipped. Amen. It's two different things. Amen. And it is so easy for us as believers to position ourselves that, God, I want to love you. I'm going to worship you when you give me the promotion. God, when you supply the wife, when you start doing this, when you already did everything that it's ever going to do by paying your, your sin on the cross, that should be your worship. So we need to be careful that we want to play this game with God. We, we know where to be, but our eyes and our hearts and our desires are still on the outside. It's not good enough. Let me say it like this. Even for us as believers, you can take this position in the church where I'll go as far as it's comfortable. Is it this is comfortable for you? Sitting with you one-on-one, that's comfortable for you? And then Jesus is like, hey, son, you're going to go outside and I'll preach a little bit. I'm like, Jesus, I don't like that. Son, the reason why you don't like it is you don't understand how much I love it. There's a disconnect from what you expect and what my heart is. And then when I go, I get more of Jesus. And it's a place of discomfortability. See, one of the biggest mistakes you just made was choosing comfort. And I promise you now, church, if we change our services to do what Paul did here, this church will sink. I promise you. You'll maybe do it once, twice. If we do three services, when we go until midnight, if I can't show you an angel, <laughs> you're gone. <laughs> you're gone. <laughs> because we, have, we, we are a people. I was listening to a, a preacher the other day that said something very profound. He said to me, well, not to me, he said to me, I took it for myself. He said, this is the first time in human history where people's ideal is pleasure. We, before, like let's say around the 60s, it was survival. People's perspective in life is as long as we can survive. We now it has shifted. It's all about comfort and pleasure. And I need to grow on the top. And that's what I'm designed for. But if you take human existence in the beginning, it was literally, man, if I can just survive, I'm doing well. And we can take that question when it comes to the things of God. How much is enough, Lord? I'm attending church services. I'm going to community. It's two things. Lord, I'm giving you two things. You don't ask you for two things. You ask you for your life. That's the requirement. And again, I want to just echo this, guys. I love that Christianity is hard. It's supposed to be hard. Because if it wasn't hard, we would think we would be able to do it for ourselves. We would fall under what the Israelites did and go to God and say, Lord, just tell us what to do. That's not what God wants. He wants relationship. He wants to walk this road day in, day out. I always say Christianity is not reaching heaven. It is walking today with God into heaven. Daily. Sure. We're going to need His presence. We're going to need His Word. We're going to need prayer. We're going to need this. The gathering of the saints. We need some cinnamon for Glenderson. scary for me that you can be in church and sleeping before you're dead. That transition is so fast. He's in the right place listening to the right preacher in the right community. But because of the position that he chose, starts falling asleep. Guys, and, and why I referenced in the beginning that the fact that this morning 
There's 50 people less than one of them winning. I'm not like putting it like in a bad light. But we need to be able to see the reality of where we are as a church and as, a, as the believers, as people of God. We're sleeping. We're sleeping. How many of you know that we are living in very, very dark times? Very, very dark times. I remember growing up, I'm a little bit on the border side now. But when I was still a teenager, morality meant something. Being a man meant something. You opened the door for a woman. You, you spoke nicely to a woman, all that sort of stuff. You live in a world where that is now seen as broken and fascist and stupid and bigotry. Morality has flown, uh, flown out of the window. And any sense of trying to be a moral good person, doing the right thing, is seen as bigotry. And as a church at this time, we need to shine the light more than ever. That You can say it's bigotry, but guess what? It works. When the world looks into our marriages and in how we do life together as a community that is completely diverse, but we are so in love with each other, we are so for each other, that the world should look in and say, we, think it's not, we say it's stupid, but look, it works. It's our time to shine. But instead of shining, we're sleeping. Instead of taking the mantle and rising up and climbing up the mountain, you want to choose the plain street. How much should I do? How much is enough? Plus, this is the lowest question to ask. The question you should ask every day, what gives me more of Jesus? Yeah. I remember this week I was challenged that Monday I was traveling to Durban, flew in for up, Tuesday I was traveling to PE, flew in for up, and Wednesday I was traveling to East London, flew in for up. I think I got home around 4.35. I remember we, we had community on Wednesday. And Sim was going to share. And it would have been so easy for me to say, I'm tired, like this man probably had that same confession. I'm tired. Service is going on longer than normal. But that wasn't my question. What's going to give me more of Jesus? How important is it? Sim's going to share. What message am I going to tell Sim that I know you're sharing, but I'm not going to be there because I'm tired? just not good enough. So I drank coffee, and I came to community. <laughs> and it was such a blessed time. Amen. Making ourselves available for the things of God. Guys, we get rewarded, we get filled again. It's so important. Just thank you to deeply while Paul kept on talking. And when he was overcome with sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up there. One thing that we need to understand about Christianity, guys, it's really life or death. I said to the guys in the, the prayer meeting before, there's many scriptures that I read every now and again, and I close my Bible and I come on with. What do we do with scriptures where God says, because you're lukewarm, I spew you out of my mouth. Narrow is the way that leads to life, if you that find it. The scriptures should hold us. I never want to become so familiar and comfortable with the things of God. Then I'll fall asleep. And it won't be long before I fall down. And I end up there. But let me just say this. Maybe for those that are in ministry or working this road, actually every person is in ministry. 
whether you're a community leader in this church, whether you're a deacon, whether you're an elder, you are in ministry. God equipped you for His army. Not leisure cruise, army. Two different things. The one wages war, the other one sits behind. We fight back, we push back what is God. We are at war. So you are in war. And let me be honest, you can't get tired. You can't get tired. The big thing is, we need to just be able to realize what do we do with those tired things. I've often said to people, say, all I need is rest. Not all you need is Jesus. See, when God gave us the Sabbath, He didn't just give us the Sabbath to rest. He gave us the Sabbath as the Lord's day. It's a day that we reconnect, put time aside. God, I need to connect with you. I don't need a holiday. I need Jesus. That's my answer over my life for everything. Whether I'm super strong, I need Jesus. When I'm weak, I need Jesus. My answer always is, I need Jesus. So when I rest, the way I want to rest is in a way that honors God. I want to say, thank you, Lord, that I can rest. Lord, the first thing that I'm resting on is that I don't need to work to appease you, God, that everything that was needed or required for me to come into your presence was done on the cross. So I'm going to rest in that, Lord. What that equips me to do is when I go before God, I can go before God weak. God, I'm tired and overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. God, I just want to rest in you. I want to rest that your words that you are for so long. I want to rest that you are a God that is merciful and gracious. That you draw near to those who are broken. Lord, I'm broken for you. But see, when we just think, all I need is rest, what you do is you exclude yourself from encountering the presence of God. Because before, instead of going before Him, what you do is you go to McDonald's or Mauritius or wherever you want to go. That's not what this. I said in the pre meeting before, like, we're just in that time of the year where people are tired. Just that time of the year, guys. Has it been a roller coaster of the year? And just as I want to give you the grace to justify your tiredness, I want to say be careful. Be careful in this time where we think. You know what? It's okay. I'm just going to play small for the next three, four weeks or months or whatever. And then January, I'm going to pick it up again. Be careful, guys. This guy came to the right meeting, listening to the right word. Fellowship in God. Thank the Lord for was there. <laughs> yeah, Let me land with this. We are putting this on track. So he fell down from the third story and was taken up there. Look at Paul. So Paul's a representation of Jesus. But Paul went down and bent over him. And taking him in his arms said, Do not be alone, for his life is in It's such a beautiful image we have for how Jesus approaches you in your weakness. It's such a beautiful gospel message that we have in this moment. This guy dies because he went tired. He's met with grace and mercy. Maybe that's you today where, man, this season sucks. I'm tired, I'm exhausted, work pressures and life pressures and financial pressures and all these pressures. I'm growing tired and I'm losing my zeal for God. And what I want to tell you is you can't change your heart, you need Jesus. I wish so many times, I was sharing with Robin that I us last weekend. I said that I remember for four years doing Christian things with no zeal in my heart. I can talk theology, I can talk theology now. 
Nowhere to raise my hands. No, you should take notes. None of you are. So. Knew what the right things were. Knew where I needed to be. But my heart went cold for the things of God. And I remember one thing that I just did daily. Small, little prayers. Lord, restore zeal. Restore passion. Lord, help me to love you again. Lord, your word says, even if my heart condemns me, you are greater than my heart. Help my heart. I can't change it. There were small steps of obedience showing up. And I can't tell you where it shifted, but eventually I just started to feel this reignite fire for the things of God, for the people of God, for the gathering of the saints. We can't raise ourselves from there. We're dead. We need Jesus. I just want to say this, well, maybe if you're in that season where you're not tired, maybe have eyes like Paul that are able to recognize those who are sitting on the window. Maybe have the eyes like Paul that stops all meeting and says, stop, we lost one. You know, one of the crazy things when I was doing this video and setting up the photos, those who didn't see the video read, they don't understand the context now, but it's photos of people of this church. You know what breaks my heart the most? Some of them we lost. Some people, the only memory I have for them is that picture. They left. Some on good terms, some on bad terms. As leaders, as people of God, as people that say we carry the heart of God, we carry these burdens, we have the same heart, what makes Jesus happy makes us happy, what makes Him sad makes us sad. We should have eyes to be able to see who's on the window for Who's here but they're not here in heart? And guys, let me just be honest. Don't just wait for the year. You don't have to fall to death. Get out of the window seat. If you're sitting in the window seat where it's like, yeah, I know exactly what to do. I know I should come here. I know I should be attending community. I know, but just last month's deal. Please step out of the window seat and get closer. Because guess what? If you're not in the window, you can't die. See, if that guy took the step from the window seat forward, what he would have surrounded himself with was more people. See, he was on the outskirts. And my plea to you today is get out from the outskirts. It's dangerous to me. I've met people in ministry, man, that were so on fire for God, and slowly drifted, and they're not even believers anymore. And they served with me in ministry. Going to people's houses because there's Jesus and weird stuff. And they were like, yeah, let's do this, Peter. And ten years down the line, I don't believe in you. Man, let that not be your portion. Be able to recognize, where are you sitting today in this church? What is your position? Are you at the window? Are you in the front? Are you lighting the lamps? Are you constantly aware of where everybody is? That's where we need to be, guys. That weight falls on all of us. And we do that well. So I don't want to lose another person. I don't want to lose a YouTube person that sits at the window. It's going to take us as a church doing it correctly. So that our hands are free. Does that make sense? I'm going to ask Mike, can you just stand up and just give me I want you to close your eyes.